Welcome to Piercing the Veil on BBSRadio.com, a show for truth seekers and rebels. Join us every week as we obliterate willful ignorance, corruption, globalist agendas, and more. Tune in every Sunday at 5 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Pacific, and listen carefully as we provide crucial solutions, information awareness, and unique life hacks to improve our planet. Pierce the veil, and the truth will reveal itself. All right. Greetings, world. Welcome back to another episode of Piercing the Veil. It's actually our second live episode of the year. Yes, yes, I know. We're halfway through March already. <laughs> That's how we do it. And uh, we, we've had a couple good episodes here. Um, and I believe we did uh, one of the first shows that we reran was uh, the episode number four, three or four with Daryl Sprout. I think that was the one that got ran last week, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, every once in a while, we'll do a rerun if our guest doesn't show up or isn't available or needs to do a last-minute scheduling change. So we sort of just roll with the punches, and uh, I do my best to put things out on a case-by-case basis. But now that Facebook is messing with me so much, I've you know broken down and just decided to go ahead and try to set up a some sort of a schedule, you know. I, I don't really like a lot of structure and routine where I can avoid it if it's uh, not necessary for efficiency, which I know sounds uh, counterintuitive, but that's how I roll. Uh, it, if we can avoid the structure and just let it uh, remain a free-flowing show, that's what we'll do. Um, but it's looking like we're going to have to take it the opposite direction. So today's show is all about mastering the court system, and without giving legal advice, we're going to attempt to get back to our roots and. Uh, tell you a little bit about our understanding of how these court systems are actually working, what types of jurisdictions they're attempting to foist upon you, um, or when they're just operating with a lack, a complete lack of any type of jurisdiction, how you might be able to find that out and or counter that uh, either verbally, in person, in writing, what have you. Okay. So with that being said, we're going to get right on over to Corey and let him chat a little bit about his latest art project, uh, his art show that he did and see how that went down. And then from there, what we'll do is go ahead and jump right into the first topic, which is basically the hidden authorities or lacks of authority uh, that these court systems are using to actually operate. Okay. So with that being said, Corey, go ahead and jump into uh, anything that you want to say about your art show, man. I heard you did a fantastic job, but if you could tell our listeners that. Yeah, yeah, man. Thanks. You know, it came off, came off pretty well. Uh, lots of people there, uh, good, good turnout, good feedback. Um, you know, the work looked good in the place. Myself and my a friend of mine, uh, Bart Young, now, my stuff was more metal work and his stuff was more wood, although we kind of both, we both do both. And, uh, it was great. You know, the whole, the whole thing was designed as kind of a kick, kick myself in the ass type thing to, uh, you know, force myself to have a deadline and get a bunch of work done. So it turned out pretty good, man. All in all, I sold a few, sold a couple pieces. I'm, I'm... Uh, did we lose you? You're going in and out. It sounds a little bit echoey there. Um, we lost you at sold a couple pieces, sounded like. <laughs> 
All right. Well, uh, it sounds like Corey's having some mic issues. I'm going to go ahead and pick it up and run with it until we get that fixed. Um, I did want to actually uh, make a few corrections. Uh, I make a habit of trying to put an accurate description on each of the episode links as they come up on the show page, uh, which is bbsradio.com slash piercing the veil. And going through the shows and listening uh, for the actual content that we cover to make that accurate has um, has revealed a few uh, unintentional mistakes of, of language. So what I'm talking about was... Uh, was not necessarily false, but I actually used the wrong name here or there. So s- simple things like um, I, I mentioned that uh, all of the mortgages in a past episode in the Sandy Hook town were uh, were supposedly paid off. And there's a YouTube video that is now gone where the guy actually goes through. In half the video, he goes through and shows you the online records. In the other half of the video, he's actually on the phone with the county recorder trying to figure out the weirdness. Uh, and so in a past episode, I did refer to that, and I said that Sandy Hook, all the mortgages in Sandy Hook were paid off. I, I really meant Newtown. That's what I was thinking, but what I actually said was Sandy Hook. Uh, so that's a correction, the first correction there. Uh, and then regarding the Las Vegas false flag shooting, we were discussing some of the possible orchestrators behind that in the past episode, I think October 30th, 2017, and a recent episode as well. Uh, where I've mentioned the name Sheldon Nidal a few times. Uh, it's actually Sheldon Adelson is a billionaire that uh, is co-owner of a, a company that produces metal detectors, body scanners, and things of the like that are now uh, being set up to be rolled out nationwide. You know, and Obviously, the recent mass shootings aren't helping that. Sheldon Nidal is actually a guy who supposedly channels some of the Galactic Federation and some other uh, things like that. And he has a, a website with messages. So if you're listening, Sheldon Nidal, uh, I do apologize for dropping your name in place of Ald- Ad- excuse me, Adelson. Um, that was an unintentional mistake. So I apologize for that. Uh, with that being said, let's go ahead and jump back over and see if Corey has his mic fixed. Corey, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. My, my phone just uh, just restarted randomly. Oh. So uh okay, well no worries. You yeah, sound so better. Anyway, it's not as echoey. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, continue. We lost you at we lost you at uh you sold a few pieces and things were going well. If you could get some more detail yeah. in there. Yeah, you know, everything everything uh it turned out it turned out in a way it turned out better than I expected and uh I would have liked to have gotten more work done, more finished pieces for the show, but that's fine. Now I have a bunch more stuff to continue working on. So all in all, it was good. And um, if anyone would like to see some of my work, you can go to TerrorJoy, T-E-R-R-J-O-Y.com. That is my, that's basically my art website. And uh, uh, I'll be posting up some of the new works and some, uh, probably some images from the show probably this week. But, uh, you know, if anyone is interested in checking out uh, some of what I do, you can go see it there. And uh, and then, like I said, I'll be uploading more more uh, more recent work and uh, work that was uh, part of this particular show uh, sometime this week. So, otherwise, it was great. <laughs> Felt good about it, busted my ass got good results and you know now we just keep it rolling on to the next one all right (laughs) good man i had a good feeling about that when you first told me so i'm I'm glad it went well for you congratulations on that um you know we had a really good 
uh, listener count as well on the on the past show that we did about the arts. So that seems to be a, a topic of interest among our listeners as well. Uh, well, let's just jump right into the topic today. Uh, by the way, Corey, while you were gone, I made some corrections. Um, I had mistakenly called one of the potential false flag orchestrators, uh, Sheldon Adelson. I called him Sheldon, Sheldon Nidal, which is a, seems to be a light worker and not an evil guy whatsoever. So <laughs> right. I had right. those two mixed up in my head. And also when I was referencing the, uh, the Sandy Hook weirdness regarding those people uh, having their residential mortgages paid off all at once, um, right. I, I referenced the town as Sandy Hook, but what I really meant was Newtown, Connecticut. So just simple, basic things I wanted to correct. So we right. got through that. Yeah. So let's actually just jump into our show topic here, mastering the court system. And um, there's a lot of disinformation that I've seen along the way in what we would term the Patriot or Freeman circles, if you will, or freedom-oriented individuals who gather together looking or searching hungrily for information. And a lot of old documents are reused, and they resurface like 16 years later. And I'm like, wait a second, wasn't Roger Elvick using that back in the 90s before he got locked up? Wasn't that the Tim Turner process that got everybody fucked? Oh, wait, isn't that right. part of the 99 OID? Oh, you shouldn't touch that. Oh, what's this new TDA account bullshit with this Heather Ann Tucci Jarif and all this stuff, this hook, line, and sinker that they got people to fall for? Mm. Um, so I wanted to actually dedicate this show to our roots. And my roots, as uh, most people know, that have been following us for a while, is the court system. It is the judicial state of our um, of our mor- morality. You know what I mean? Like the self-governance that we all possess, the inherent power that we all have. And I, again, I don't really like using the term sovereignty because it's been so uh, disabused so many different ways. But we'll go ahead and say it. The personal sovereignty that you carry with you at all times is only... It's only as powerful as you can express it. And then, of course, there's that great responsibility with expressing that to understand, do I know what I'm doing? Do I know what this paperwork is that I'm filing? Do I understand the principle, excuse me, the principle behind it? And do I have some sort of evidence up front, which is not always the case, of an effective use case of this paperwork? And by effective, I don't just mean somebody saying, hey, look, this is new affidavit and you can use it for your right to travel and all that. I mean something, somebody who's actually had an interaction that, that has provably won that interaction, uh, winning being defined as not getting shot in the face, first of all, <laughs> not getting your window broken, tasered, and dragged out if you're on the side of the road, not being pulled in for contempt for some bullshit trumped-up charge because the court got pissed off at you because you were calling them out for being total liars in a criminal racket system, uh, racketeering mafia, those types of things, right? When you're taking your stand, if you will, you must know uh, not only how to take that stand, but you need to be ready and committed fully for what's going to happen. And if you don't even understand the paperwork that you're trying to file, then the chances are you haven't prepared yourself to make that commitment, right? So that is what I'm seeing a lot on these different types of Facebook groups is a lot of people throwing shit against the wall to see see who will look at it first and then if anything sticks, uh, who will try it. You know what I mean? And as far as I'm concerned, I'm that, like that one guy who was like, well, this looks cool. I'm going to try that. Well, that looks cool. I'm going to try that. I have a buddy who's been on the show as well, Corey, uh, our mutual friend, Frank Adamo. Frankie from New York. Oh, Frankie, yes. He's very much in a similar mind state. He's like, oh, that looks useful. I'm going to try that. And he, he looks at it. He researches it. He studies it. And he gives it a go. Now, me, on the other hand, I, I have a higher level of, of planning, I would say, because 
I always look at what I've done before. It's like, is this going to conflict with what I've done before? Am I being double-minded? Am I being acting or being in a way where somebody is not going to take me seriously? Uh, because I said, oh, I'm, I'm the free man on the land, and I'm standing here outside of your jurisdiction and the blah, blah, blah. You know, I've tried all of those fucking things, dude. I've tried playing the name game. I've tried all that shit. And I've been taken to jail quite, quite a lot, very many times. I've also gotten myself out with no charges. I've written a habeas corpus on a piece of toilet paper. I've not contracted with a judge and, and successfully gotten out that way. There's many different ways that you can play it. You can play the, what they would term the lawful side or the legal side. And the two, never the twain shall meet. The private and the public can never mix. That's total bullshit. We've covered that on our past shows. And Corey, I'm almost done covering our, our, our foundational stuff here before we get in and get your response. But essentially, I have personal experience that one, yes, the private and public mixes all fucking day long. Two, if there's tools on either side of that equation spectrum or range of possibilities, if you will, use the stuff on the legal side where you can use it legally. Use the lawful stuff on the lawful side where you can use it lawfully. And if you can use one on the other or in conjunction with the other, then do so. Just know what you're doing. Know why you're doing it. Know what authority you have to do it. And don't let anybody back you down or back you into a corner on it. So we can get into some of the mechanics here in a, in a few minutes about, well, how do I address sports? What type of issue is it? And things like that. I have a really, really bad sound coming through the mic or the audio. Is that from you, Corey? Can you mute yourself real quick? No, actually, I was muted. Okay, uh, that just went away. Sometimes we have that happen, listeners. I apologize. Anyways, back to the train of thought. Um, we can get into some of the mechanics of what you should be doing, saying, yada, yada, if you actually do make it to court. And we'll go through some real-life examples if we have time. But before we get there, you really got to understand whatever you're taking with you or whatever you're applying or whatever you would be presenting to anybody on the side of the road or in the court or in writing to some sort of governmental agency or in response thereof, you, you must have a full understanding of what that document is, where it came from. Uh, did you write it yourself? Did you incorporate different elements from different places? Why did you do that? What effect are you trying to get? What effect do you expect them to, you know, to respond with? Or what response should I say that they are going to use in response to your your documents or your process. If you're able to plan these things out in advance, you're going to know how to respond without having to search all the time for, okay, guys, well, you told me to do this affidavit of status declaration, and I did it, and either A, the court, uh, the, uh, the recorder wouldn't record it, or B, I did it on some website, okay, now how do I get it to the public or use it in my case, or C, you know, I sent it to the, you know, the governor and the secretary of state, and they sent me back something that said this doesn't apply. Or they sent me some, some agency sent me some de debt collection contract or as a response, and what do I do now? You know, so there's all sorts of things that have to be considered. Now, once you have that foundation in place for yourself on any given circumstance or event or hearing or whatever you're doing, then you can start to take a look at, okay, now how do I stand up on this? You know, the concept of standing is often overlooked as much as uh, territorial jurisdiction is as well, right? So we're going to get into some of those things here, but let's jump right into what is the court's authority? What were they designed to do? What is the premise of their operation? How they really operate and wh why they say they're operating, right? 
you know, a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, they're there to protect us. Well, I've got bad news for you. The courts have no obligation or no constitutional duty to protect you because a lot of them are not creatures of the Constitution. They're statutory. And that's why when you, you know, there's been a lot of confusion about, the, is it military admiralty courts or admiralty maritime courts? Or it does a gold fringe flag mean anything? And yet all of these elements standing by themselves have some sort of meaning, but it doesn't mean that these guys are allowing those things to be applied in their courtroom. Essentially, it's a big racketeering system run by criminals in a good old buddy system network with uh, lip service that's paid to the Constitution, lip service that's paid to process and or due process, lip service that's paid to, to working for you as public servants, where you know the reality lies on the inside is that there's a lot of satanic and black magic shit happening. There's a lot of judges and police investigators and chief of police and prosecutors who are abusers domestic abusers and uh, pedophiles. Uh, there's a lot of criminal uh, financial stuff happening in the background, not only with the bonds, meaning behind every single traffic ticket and so on and so forth uh, in most of these courts, municipal or county or whatever crime or misdemeanor or felony is being charged as well. Behind all that are what are called government bonds. And Gene Keeney, Keating, excuse me, and a lot of other people have covered that in depth. We've covered it before in our show, so I'm not going to get into that. But there are uh, bid bonds, performance bonds, and uh, surety affidavits that back pretty much every single case in the background on the financial side. All of those are pulled up and reinsured into mortgage-backed securities, and then that goes on to support the interest payments on the national debt so that they can keep the bankruptcy can kicked down the road over and over and over. There's been multiple bankruptcies in our history. The Constitution itself is essentially a bankruptcy document. It's a contract. A constitutor is one who passes on their debts to another. And there's a lot of good people like Mark Stevens. And uh, I think, Corey, you mentioned David Williams and turned me on to him. A lot of those people, including uh, somebody else, I forget his name, they don't even use the Constitution. They take the position that there is no geographical uh, nexus by which the state constitutions apply to them, or even the statutes, and we'll get into that further, right? So what am I really trying to say? Well, the courts and the governments were supposedly designed, and their main sole purpose was supposedly to uphold and protect the rights of the people, or to keep those rights from being legally infringed or harmed upon. And so that denotes that there must be somebody who was harmed, there must be a victim. So if we get into the fact that most of the crimes prosecuted, and I say crimes with quotes, most of the crimes prosecuted here today across the nation in many and multiple different jurisdictions are what we would term victimless crimes, not just on the, the traffic infraction level, but also in the county courts and the district courts as well. A lot of the laws that supposedly apply to people with regard to taxes only apply on a voluntary basis, and once you volunteer in, it's very, very hard to volunteer yourself out. And a lot of these things have to do with your initial status and your declarations. Are you a U.S. citizen? Are you a state citizen subject to these types of things? Or are you some sort of inherent national or um, holder of the land? You know, this is where the land actually does come into place. Your body is minerals and soil. It's made up from the elements around you in your local area that, you know, the elements that your mother and father also inherited from their local areas. And that's where the concepts of gene uh, genealogy and all these things really get very esoteric. It's like, what authorities are you bringing with you through your DNA, right? And what are you really giving up by relying on some piece of paper to tell you what your rights are? 
So being one and truly uh, focused, number one, truly focused on your inherent rights is a key principle to winning. And number two, learning how to express those, articulate those, or educate others on those inherent rights, whether they're your adversary or your friend, that's number two. And then number three is also being judicious about making a plan on how to get yourself out of the system completely, and there's some ways to do that that we've spoken about and we'll talk about this show. Okay, Corey, let me get through this, uh, this extra part that I really wanted to talk about, um, and then we'll get your response. I just mentioned that the courts are designed to protect you, and when they stop acting in that regard of protecting you and they begin overtly, like very clearly acting against the rights, the wills, and the benefits uh, excuse me, the benefit of the people, and I hate that word too because we the people is a construct that's not actually you. It doesn't mean you, by the way. Um, but when they do come back and they acknowledge the fact that uh, that there are some things that they can't do, that's really where our inherent authority applies the most. You understand? So like things like the Fourth Amendment in the Constitution, those are there to enshrine pre-existing principles, morality principles of you can't just come and seize a man or seize his property without due process or due cause. Well, everybody knew that, and that was existing before the Constitution, but it had to be set forth as the law of the land. Okay. Now, there's multiple constitutions. All right. There's been multiple constitutions set up. Uh, the Articles of Confederation existed before the Constitution, and other types of systems existed that still have um, an ap- applicability in in the remedies that can be used under them. Okay. Uh, so we've got different ways to approach the same problem, and I think there's a lot of confusion uh, in the freedom community or freedom-oriented community about well. What do I do? Do I use the Constitution? Do I not use the Constitution? Does it apply to me? Does it not apply to me? Is it the state Constitution or federal? You know, what about the state of state, all capital letters, and then state of state, all lowercase, or capital case, you know what I mean? Title caption. So Not unincorporated. Exactly. And so there are resources where you can learn about each of these different types of premises. So the person who really, in my view goes through and explains the best how all of these multi-layers of jurisdictions and multi-layers of different constitutions that exist and multi-layers of um, government service operations, all the powers and services that were enumer- enumerated in the federal U.S. Constitution are really, that's all government is there to do aside from you know the principles enshrined in the Bill of, Bill of Rights. So she goes through, her name's Anna, uh, Anna Von Wrights, and she goes through and just totally annihilates all of the confusion surrounding how these things operate with one another, okay? And then you've got Mark Stevens, and who I mentioned earlier, David Williams, who take the position that the constitutions of the states don't apply to you because they didn't exist when that geographical area known as that particular state was around. So the soil or the land was there, and your, your ancestors were standing on that land, and you were standing on that land. And here they actually take a legal – they form a legal justification or basis for all the stuff that the Freeman guys have been trying to do for so long. I am the free man standing on the land. We get that, right? We get what you're doing, and you just need to apply it properly. And so what they're doing is they're going into these statutory courts. You know, Some people have a process where you don't have to go in. But then they ignore your process and you end up having to go in, right? So I take the position where all roads actually lead to court in one way or another. Whether you're actually getting your status declared with your own petition 
that you're you're suing against your own name that was created by the state and you're suing for ownership of it, which is the end step to some of these freedom processes, or whether you're being sued, the name is being sued, and you're having to defend or show up or do these other types of processes, you need to really pick and choose what legal position or lawful position that you're going to use initially, long-term, or um, in conjunction with something else. And I think that's where a lot of people fail. Okay, So we've got the Mark Stevens people who are actually just going in and using a lawful premise to challenge a legal presumption, which is the legal presumption is that 100% of the time, no matter what, anybody who's ever charged with anything was charged because that person was in the territorial jurisdiction of the charging agency. Meaning, you were standing on the land that we term the state of Texas, and so therefore we have automatic jurisdiction to to address the other questions of jurisdiction, which is the other layers of jurisdiction, which is, uh, you know, you've got in personam and you've got uh, subject matter. So there must be a, an existing uh, law for them or existing rule for them to have subject matter jurisdiction, and there's some other principles. And there must be a perpetrator or somebody who supposedly committed a violation or of an offense for them to have the personam. And somebody also has to appear and volunteer in their process in some way, shape, or form, generally, for them to have the in personam. Okay? So a lot of the ways that these guys are being tricked is they're doing all this hard work, all these processes. They show up to try to defend that shit, and the, and the judge says, sir, step forward, please. And they step forward, and boom, right then and there, they've got in personam. The judge has in personam jurisdiction of you right off the bat because you obeyed his command. And I don't mean you have to stand outside the fucking bar and make things difficult. A lot of winning in these types of courts is being fluid and changeable and uh, adapting to what's really happening. Okay, So I'm going to go into some more principles and some more things about the authorities of the court, how they operate, other types of things like that. But I know I've been speaking for a long time, and I want to get over to you, Corey, and let you respond and kind of describe to me what you think about that or possibly your experience as well. Yeah, I, I'm... I just thought I'll, I'll simplify it because I need to simplify it for myself, and maybe you can you can add to this or make sure I'm on the right track. Um, you talk about statutory crimes, right? Statutory rules, regulations, uh, violations, and things. Uh, most of these things are, as you say, victimless crimes, right? Meaning. You know, you're in a traffic stop, right? Let's say you, like I did, uh, let's say I was uh, I was witnessed by a sheriff's deputy uh, rolling a stop sign, right? Now, from a lawful standpoint, and from a, I guess, a common law standpoint. Or just a just a natural law standpoint, I did not commit any harm to anyone. I did not damage anybody's property, and I didn't do any harm to anyone's body or person by uh, not entirely obeying the the stop sign. Now, granted, this was like ten, eleven o'clock at night. There was nobody on the road but myself and the sheriff's deputy. Um, I, 
I admittedly, I did not come to a full stop, but I did look both ways. I judged the distance of the one set of headlights that I saw in the area, which was far enough away from me that I could make the turn without potentially causing harm to anyone or their property. Just so happens that that only set of headlights was a, a sheriff's deputy. And so the question is, is like, did I really, in terms of common law or in terms of, you know, uh, natural law, did I do harm to anyone or their property? And the answer is, no, I did not. Emphatically, so, no. Emphatically, no. Prima facie. Right. You know, was I operating? I wasn't even, I wasn't even operating recklessly. Right. So, but then, then you have this overlay of statutory law, which is, I, I would say for the most part, that when people even say the word law today, it's what they, it's what they are referring to. The numerous, the millions and millions of pages of, <laughs> of municipal, county, state, and federal, and, and IRS uh, codes, codes of conduct, right? You know, and really, you know, there's 10, yeah, ostensibly there's 10, or maybe even two rules, right? Do, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? And I, and I reference that because uh, this was, you know, this is basically the legal and the economic system here in the United States of America is, is based on Judeo-Christian principles, right? So there's and either Roman, the Roman civil law as well. There's and a lot Roman, of Roman civil law. law, sure. And Greco, yeah. So uh, Greco-Roman and Judeo-Christian, sort of some combination thereof, generally. Um, so, yeah, the Ten Commandments. Don't steal, don't lie, uh, don't, uh, don't murder, um, you know, just basic stuff that, for the most part, across the entire globe, regardless of culture, um, I would say, that most people tend to mm, govern themselves by, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of a universal, uh, natural natural way of being, right? There's just some shit that you don't do. And if you do do that stuff, then there are reparations to be made. So now what we're dealing with, we're dealing with this, you know, we're basically dealing with, um, we're dealing with, let's, start, let's say at the federal level, right? The federal government. We're dealing with a municipality. We're dealing with a corporation, right? We're dealing with some entity that, uh, according to a lot of people, is completely lawful according to the Constitution. The Constitution says that you can hire or you can, you can create a municipal government, an yep. agency to run the government. To, to exercise the delegated, the, I think it's uh, 19 the delegated or something. delegated authority. That's right. right. Article 1, Section 18 or something. Well, so I'll, I'll, I'll respond like this, Corey. I think that you did... Everybody already knew the answer, but you did answer your own question. No, you have not committed any type of legal harm or damage or injury. And in fact, it begs the question, if you were then to be pulled over and cited, what, uh, not only the way that Mark Stevens and everybody takes it, uh, which is, okay, first of all, how did you have the, the territorial jurisdiction to pull me over in the first place? Just because I'm physically on this part of this land right here, 
that always existed before your state of Texas even came to be. Before the state of Texas, billions of years this land has been here. You understand? At what point did somehow I magically get sucked into your system? And if I did magically get sucked into your system, as many of the Freeman guys um, are asserting the birth certificate and the social and all these things do, if, if there is a jurisdictional nexus, so to speak, where did it come from? How did it, what are the facts surrounding the, the origination of that nexus? Who applied it? How, what authority did they have to apply that nexus? Why wasn't I told about it? How did it happen? Did, was it because of the birth certificate that you know doesn't apply because it's void ab initio, meaning uh, void from the beginning? Because you quite clearly weren't cognizant as a baby in order to sign something, and it was done on your behalf? You understand? So Unknowingly. Yeah, so first of all, if they were to cite you or pull you over, where did they get that jurisdiction to do so? And if they don't have it, why are they presuming they don't have to prove the facts surrounding it? Why are they presuming they have it, even though they know they don't have it, right? They, these fucking guys know. They know. There's no question. You don't have to go in there and educate the judges for the most part. These fucking guys know what they're doing. It's a criminal racket, and all they do is they pay lip service. So a lot of these Freeman guys that I... I've done all these processes, guys. I'm not denigrating anybody when I say Freeman, guys. I used to be this. I've done all the Patriot shit. I've been locked up. I waived the benefits. I'm appointing you the trustee. The judge is like, are you sure? It's like, yes, I am. Okay, lock this man up. <laughs> He's, I'm going to enter a plea of guilty. Boom, you know, fucking taken in jail in a business suit. So I've done this shit. I'm not speaking out of my ass when I talk about how anything goes and how no particular process will save you and how nothing in writing really on itself will save you at the end of the day, you will be tested somehow. And at some point, in some way, directly or indirectly, those rights will be tested in court. You, you will have your test because all roads lead back to court. So again, when you say, who am I harming, Corey, by rolling through a stop sign, it's what situation are you about to have to undergo where your rights are going to be harmed, your legal rights are going to be infringed on, because some government that was supposedly uh, set up and is supposedly acting in the best interest of the public to keep them from being harmed is now harming you, a member of the general public, right? It's just this really sick uh, snake eating its own tail thing that we have going on. And there's, there's very little, no to little accountability, especially on the prosecutorial side. So what am I really saying? Going back to first principles, what is the government there to do? to exercise the specific 19 powers, and who is going to do that? Well, obviously, the corporations that have been set up to do that. The United States is a corporation, Section 28 U.S.C. 6002, Subchapter A, Part 5. The United States means a, you know, a, a corporation, and the states are subdivisions thereof. Well, yeah, that's true, but that's only one of the United States that's operating. There's multiple different things, entities that are going down. And uh, Anna Von Reitz gets into that as well, who I was talking about earlier. Right, so right. what were they designed to do, Corey? The courts that come from the government, what are they designed to do? They're designed to uphold and protect your rights and prosecute the legal harms that have been perpetrated upon a supposed victim. So if there's no victim, there's then no what crime. are they really doing? Who? So here's the thing. And I'll let you get to it in just a second. But who's the thing? here's the thing. Who is supposedly benefiting from having laws passed and laws enforced if if they're laws involving victims it's just a simple question who benefits from that the public right 
the public benefits if somebody goes out and murders somebody that the state resources which were authorized by the people however many years ago and have morphed into whatever office it is now and follows whatever procedures and policies they have which a lot of people give up power and control over to, um, you know appointing to the right people in the right positions but still whatever agency or creature of the state that is here now should be focused 100% on victim crimes and then they can truly say yes we're in the service of the people or the public or however you want to describe that term now the minute the minute they start going after things that have no victims and there's revenue generated from that now they become the beneficiary of their own enforcement and that my friends is fucking tyranny that removes the consent of all forms for these people to even exist right off the fucking table. And that's it. Like the, the foundational authority of these guys is whoop, fucking swept, the rugs have swept right out from under them the minute they begin dedicating their, their resources towards the victimless crimes. Okay, so that's right. how it, I would respond like there. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's like a self fulfilling prophecy. Right? That's right. They become, they're, they're, a, they're a corporate entity and, uh, and like any entity, natural or or uh, or fictitious, um, any entity will strive to Darryl, uh, three, strive Darryl. to protect itself, strive to remain in existence, and to and to uh, you know. And in the terms of a corporation, um, corporations are made up of people, and they have costs. It costs money to run a corporation. Therefore, they have to collect revenue, right? So you talk about these um, statutory violations, like a like a like a stop sign, okay? And yeah, you know, it's like okay, you run through the stop sign, you violated a code or a statute. We're going to charge you, uh, <laughs> and they right for it and yeah. charge. You know, hence the word charge, like a credit card charge or an electrical charge. You know, it starts some uh, electrical or financial process in motion. Okay, when they create a charge, uh, they have to create a bond or something. There's, they're on the hook. Yeah. Right. There's million, millions of dollars at stake for every traffic ticket and uh, misdemeanor and felony. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So they're on the hook for it once they. Right, because nature abhors a vacuum, and even in the artificial world, which is designed after nature, once they pull up a charge based on some infraction that you may have uh, perpetrated, they have to follow through on the collection of that somehow or another, or they're on the hook for it. It all. It also yes. It it depends on some degree uh, to which which percentage that of their resources they're dedicating uh, floating these charges. You know what I mean? Like a county prosecutor has a lot more leeway to float charges knowing that he's got the resources to back up the prosecution to force a deal with the defendant or force the people to come in. Um, and they don't typically get left holding the bag, so to speak, on having to dismiss something they knew they should have dismissed before because no, there was absolutely. no jurisdiction. No, but, the, but, the, but the municipal... The municipality level is so fucked and so corrupt because there's no record, there's no accountability, they don't follow any fucking rules whatsoever, and they're so greedy 
that they use the traffic ticket system as most of the revenue generation. Well, again, like I said, the traffic tickets are generating substantial amounts of revenue based on bonds that are being traded and, and pulled together and reinsured into, uh, you know, mortgage backed, essentially, uh, little notes and stuff like that, that are then being floated to handle the interest payments on the national debt. So the reason why people get fucked in their ass so hard in a traffic court, as opposed to actually having a bit of due process in a county court, typically there's exceptions is because they are dependent almost 95% of their entire municipality's existence is dependent on a steady flow of revenue generating the traffic tickets. And one of the I most powerful the, things I've ever line. heard, exactly, one of the most from powerful the things line. I've ever heard was from a traffic ticket court clerk who looked at me and she looked at me in my face and goes, I know what, you've, I know what you're doing. I, you're doing it differently. I think you're going to win. This, this, she fucking said this to me. I think you're going to win. And if, if there was just one or two more of people like you every month, this entire court would be bankrupt. She looked at me with a straight right. face and told me with appreciation in wow. her eyes, please, please have more people do this. And this is when I was doing the conversation. Wow, you stay in it long enough and, and uh, yeah, and the people on the inside who have a conscience, who's, who's, uh, whose own conscience is uh, yeah. sort of on, on the fence. Yeah, they'll they'll let you know. I had a retired. I told this on the show before, but I had a retired municipal judge who ran out of like it was the end of the day. I was the last case. He's like uh, he was about to retire. I think uh, you know it was just basically a dog and pony show. His last couple days that he was there or whatever. And <clears throat> I did my thing in the traffic court, and I basically whooped the prosecutor's ass. And I was just some small, skinny, little fucking long-haired hippie-looking kid. And, and the judge, I'm, I, you know, I make my way out of the courtroom and I'm walking uh, outside and I get out the door. I'm walking to my car and all of a sudden out the side door where the cops come in and out. Boom. That, you know, you, have you ever been in everybody's been in high school and they have like the bar where you can slam the bar in. It's like a fire yeah. escape. That sound is what I heard. And it made me snap around because I was like, who the hell is coming out of the door so fast? You know, is there a bailiff coming to snatch me? Because I've had that shit happen before. And the judge hadn't even taken off his fucking robe. He wasn't in, like, the suit that they wear underneath. He ran out, and he goes, young man, don't give up. Get yourself into law school if you can. You did a great job. I just want to tell uh -huh. you that. And he shook my fucking hand. Okay, so they're not all your enemy, but uh -huh. most of them are willingly doing whatever it takes, including lying to uphold the, the public interest, which is... How do we stay in existence and continue operating our scam? Okay, so let me just say this, Corey. There's a, a few things I want to get through. I mentioned how they're just paying lip service, essentially, to your rights. They're paying lip service to the fact that they're the public servants, you're the employer. All of that is given lip service, and what I mean by that, it's it's a pretty, it's a pretty uh, recantation in writing of, oh, you know, the people are the ultimate power and the civil authority shall always be superior to the uh, military and blah, blah, blah. And that's not what you're seeing in the way the system is operating. But if you demand it to be applied that way for yourself, that's where the loophole is, man. You can't try to like demand them to change what they're doing to all the sheep and all the, uh, the normies, if you will. But if you enlighten yourself enough and prove yourself on the merits of your claims, they will actually start listening to you and they'll fucking leave you alone at some point. But here's a lip service I'm talking about. Here in Texas, 
the government code, which is a statute, statutory jurisdiction, open government, uh, public information, just like a it's sort of like a state level FOIA request, Freedom of Information Act. Here's what they say. Section 552, the Texas Government Code, Public Information, Subchapter A, says policy and construction. Under the fundamental philosophy of the American constitutional form of representative government that adheres to the principle that government is the servant and not the master of the people, it is the policy of this state that each person is entitled unless otherwise expressly provided by law, there's one of the loopholes they built in, uh, at all times to complete information about the affairs of government and the official acts of public officials and employees. The people, in delegating authority, uh, there's the truth, do not give their public servants the right to decide what is good for the people to know and what is good for them not to know. Uh, often, similarly, we don't give them the right to decide what's legal and what's not legal if there's no victims, right? The people insist on remaining informed so that they may retain control over the instruments they have created. So here, it's ah. not a secret, guys. It's not a big secret. These guys put in their own laws all the principles that these freedom-oriented or freedom-minded people are trying to apply. Namely, how do I reverse the jurisdictional crap that was done to me supposedly with the birth certificate, the social, the driver's license? Do I get rid of my driver's license or do I convert it and use it as my own property under my own principles and uh, authority? What do I do there? How do I get the, the five-star national passport as opposed to a U.S. citizen passport? How do I arrange my affairs and my lives with my bank accounts where I'm no longer using any minimum contacts attached to what people term the straw man? And there are valid processes to do that. I'm about 95% of the way through, and I've had to amalgamate or compound the processes of multiple people, including my own, to achieve that. So there are some levels of stopping points that people run into when they're trying to get out, so to speak. You know what I mean? And that's where I see a lot of people running back to old information and creditor and commerce fucking flow charts of private and public from like seven fucking years ago. And the people don't even know that it's from creditors and commerce, Brandon Smith, or excuse me, Jack Smith, Brandon Adams, Gordon Hall, uh, so on and so forth. So Corey, please jump back in here and we'll get to the rest of what we're talking about. But I want to get some of your points as well, because you've dealt with these fuckers on the side of the road, just like me. Mm. Well, I mean, the, the, the sad part about it is, is that, you know, when you, when you tell me stories of people, you know, like I had a judge, uh, on a, on a particular case where I got bagged up, um, it was related to that traffic stop that I had. It was, it was further down the road and they bagged me up and I spent the night in jail and I was able to bond out based on a conversation with no money. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. They gave you the PR bond because you asked for it properly. Right. A personal recognizance bond. And the, and the judge was like, you are obviously an intelligent young man. <laughs> A young man. You know, I'm 50. But nonetheless, you know, um, the guy knew what I was doing. And he knew that I kind of, at least somewhat, knew what I was doing. And... uh uh, so he released me, right? No money, right? No 10%, whatever of the charges on the, you know, of the bond and so forth. And the sad part is, is that I'm sure 
that there are a lot more people who are kind of playing this dual role, right? We're a dual role. We're all kind of, in a way, and this might be an oversimplification, but we're all acting in the capacity of dual citizens, right? Right? And we're all acting as American nationals, right, that have rights that are uh, inherent rights, natural rights that are protected, acknowledged under the organic constitution. And then the we also have the government this, exists is for that, yeah. Right. And then we have this corporate uh, identity under the municipal corporation operating out of Washington, D.C., and all its subchapters, the states, the counties, and all, all the, uh, you know, sub-municipalities. And, and, you know, one of them is actually you, and the other one is something that they created that has your name on it. And Which also serves dual purposes. There's a public and a private. The, the right. application of live birth uh, creates the certificate of live birth, which is, a, which is a claim on your trade name. And then the birth certificate itself creates sort of like a vassal or a U.S. citizen itself, supposedly, right? Mm -hmm. And there's mm -hmm. been 17 different ways that this is looked at. But that's essentially what's going on. Yeah, you're right. Right. And so really it's just, you know, it's like it's like the mafia, man. It's like the mafia. You know, the mafia would come down your street and uh, and demand tribute or otherwise protection money, right? Uh, so that you can stay in business and to make sure that they're the only ones that are fleecing you, right? So no one else will fleece you. As long as you're under their auspices, but you're going to pay <laughs> your you're going to pay your protection money. Exactly how it of, is. That's I can't see any other way of describing it. You know, you have the you have the police, you have the sheriffs, you have all these different law enforcement and so on and so forth. Yeah, ostensibly, uh, they play the dual role of yeah, they're kind of there protecting your life and your property, right, to an extent. But they also have a schizophrenic role, which none of them know about. Cops certainly don't. Judges know. Absolutely. Some of them do. The police um, chiefs certainly know. Police chiefs know. The, the regular rank-and-file guys don't know. Most judges know. And some prosecutors know. Um, so they're, they're, you know, if, if you're intelligent enough to let them know that you know what the game is without giving up the game to the people who are not as well informed, then you have a chance. That's right. right? You don't alert the alert, public. Alerting the public. Do not alert the public. You're, you're, you know, if you're smart enough to, to navigate that system without blowing their cover for all the other suckers that they're extracting tribute from, you know, and, and you know, even... You know, judges judges get cuts of um, convictions. Of convictions, it goes into the it goes into the pension plan. They're getting paid off of how many convictions they do, just like prosecuting attorneys. Um, and that's you know how is that how is that a neutral referee over over some dispute? <laughs> or they're both <laughs> getting paid by the same fucking county to do their job. That's also a huge conflict of interest. Right. And then they've got their hands in all these dirty pies. Right, and so. Yeah. Um, the whole, the whole thing is, and then, 
unfortunately, it ties into the dumbing down, you know, whatever other machinations and means of dumbing down the population in general, right? The constant bombardment of, of the people um, on their own sense of who they are, their own sovereignty, and, and, and so forth. And it's through the education system, it's through the mm. media, it's through, uh, you know, a toxic environment, shitty food, fluoride, right? Um, and so when, it, when you tell me the story of a judge who comes out, you know, chases you down, good job, yeah. young man, you know, this is someone who probably, right, he probably started off looking to be a, a public servant somehow, right? He went to law school, right? So in his heart of hearts, probably, um, he said, I'm going to pick a career whereby I can be a part of the justice system, right? A, a beneficial part. You know, I can, I, can, uh, I can protect the innocent and all these other things, right? All these other good ideas that people start off with. And then I'm sure after a while, while he was an attorney, um, I'm sure he probably realized that uh, there was a there was a there was some kind of scam going on. There was an yeah. inherent there was inherent injustice in the so-called justice system. But you know he's making a living. He's got a family. He's got mouths to feed. Uh, you know he has to justify the his uh, undergraduate studies and his uh, and his postgraduate studies of becoming you know. He's put up a bunch of money. You know, again, it comes down to people are just trying to survive, in a way. It comes down to it's a job, right? Definitely. I have to survive. Exactly. I, I have to survive, too. And I know, like, you know, that judge that came after you, you know, he, he had a moral conscience. You know, he's like, I am, I am benefiting off of the fleecing of the ignorant public, Right? He is benefiting directly off of that. Now, I'm sure, I'm sure in his practice, he was, he was uh, uh, confining dangerous people to prison where they couldn't do harm to other more innocent people, right? And I'm sure he's uh, exonerated people who were falsely charged for the sake of, of, of justice and what have you. But again, you know, it's like every cop. Every cop is a peace officer, right? He's protecting the peace, make sure nobody gets hurt, nobody gets their shit stolen or fucked with. And, uh, and, and, and at the same time, he's a revenue agent, which means he's out there, he's got to collect money to keep his employer going, to keep the agency that he works for, to keep it funded and to keep it going. So I kind of have... Still in my heart of hearts, um, I have empathy for cops because they, in, in a way, because they have no fucking idea what they're involved in. You know, they and don't they're they're understand. very underpaid as well, Corey. And that's that's yeah, another thing. And, you say it's a and, job; and, and, it's the motivation to act right on your job is not going to be there if they're not paid yeah, properly. And, and, yeah, and they don't have, they don't understand the schizophrenic place that they're in. Right? They're supposed to be protecting life and property, and yet every time they pull someone over and write them a ticket and charge them for an infraction that the person has to take time off of work and go into and then ultimately come out of pocket to pay for, they're actually harming the public. 
Well, they they do what they want, okay? And my case in point is that the Supreme Court recently ruled that the the police have no constitutional duty to protect the public. No, they don't. Where the fuck do you even exist? Like, if your whole premise... They work for municipalities. They work for municipalities, which are businesses. They have, if they if have. your business is it's premised on the fact that are the services we provide are protect the public interest or to protect the public, yet you have your own business then declare and cover its own shit up, which the courts do constantly. They rule themselves out of pickles all the time, and they declare, oh, the police have no constitutional authority. Then what the fuck are you there for? You've just invalidated <laughs> yourself. So when you say, when you describe it as schizophrenic, I would say, yes, it's very much so. It's a demonic schizophrenic system. And I think a lot of the people who are expecting to win and expecting results because they file something, you're not dealing with a computer that's just going to take data in and put a response out and go, oh, yep, okay, you're one of those tiny percent that knows what this is about. And you filed this funky document that just got made up by somebody who thought they knew what they were doing and then regurgitated around the fucking internet for a thousand times. But the base principle of what the document is for, what it's about, what it's designed to do, yes, that's true. We get that. But the people are not applying it properly. So you're not dealing with a computer. You're dealing with people who have jobs, personal motivations, biases, and outright stupidity and low IQ in most cases. So you're... You to try to expect these people to go, oh, yeah, see, he, he sent me a copy of the authenticated birth certificate and a notice of abatement. We must shut this court case down now. Uh-huh. It's not going to happen. You're going to have to get, get tested. You're going to have to prove that you know what you're talking about, prove why it applies, and you're going to have to change their mind, whether that's changing their mind so they know that you're right or changing their mind so they know that you're right, and because you're right, they're in a liable position that they have no immunities to protect themselves from. And that's very hard to do, but you can do it. When the courts and the prosecutors act in the absence of all jurisdiction, none of the immunity bullshit applies. There's your loophole right there. When they act in a criminal fashion, whether through Title 18, 242, uh, deprivation of rights, or through your state penal code, wherever you may happen to live, you can. they are creatures of the statutes. You can use statutory remedies against them, or to correct them, I should say. Rather than trying to do all this fucking flippity do Freemany bullshit, this is the notice of the correction of the blah, 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 and I'm doing a fucking bill of particulars. And yeah, okay, bud, that was great before the great merging of, uh, you know, equity and law that should have never happened. But we right. live in a day where they do anything they want. So, Corey, when you say schizophrenic, it very much is something like that. It's something, everything, and nothing all at once. When they act to prosecute or protect and enforce laws that regard victim crimes, they're acting in the authority that was delegated by the people. When they act in a self-serving manner to generate revenue for victimless crimes, then they are very much just acting for their own benefit, and they've ceased to have the authority to exist. Now, all of this, if people knew this, man, if, the, if they, people knew that they were the authority and that when these people do these types of things, they cease to have a legal basis to exist, my God, do you, can you imagine what would happen? But instead, they've got these people playing the game. They're like, oh, man, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm the Freeman thing, or I'm the name, or I'm this, or I'm that. Or I'm going to expect them to know what the fucking authenticated birth certificate is. The fact that I've reclaimed all the shit that was created on my person or on my body, on top of it, or usurped it for all these years. I'm going to reclaim it. 
But that's part of the battle. The other part of the battle is to get acknowledgement from Rome or a public record that says, yeah, you reclaimed it, buddy. You did it properly, right? And that's that's the part of you know suing your own name uh, in rem action against your own fucking birth certificate. Uh, unless that happens, then you have no leg to stand on when you want to go apply that or make other people understand your status. Simply giving notice is not enough. You must get recognition right. from, their, from Rome. Right. Well, so, also, also, too, also, too, you gotta, you gotta be able to perform on the spot. There you right? go. Because all of your declarations. Let's say you've done all the, you know, let's say you've done all your notifications, right, of your status, and right. Let's say you've done all the behind the scenes stuff and so on and so forth. That doesn't mean you're not going to get dragged into, dragged into their kangaroo court. Necessarily, you might have to show up. And then it's and then it's all happening right there, right? It's all happening right there. So, yes, more often than not, if you do your, you know, if you do your back office stuff, you do all your paperwork, you do, and, and of course you, you know, over time, through doing this, it's not the paper that does it; it's the process, it's the concepts that the paper is just uh, uh, a memorialization of, right? So you got to know. Right, where you're going with all of this paper. There's no magic paper. But that's not to say that you're never going to get challenged on that either. Right? So, and that so means you're dealing mano a mano, mano a mano, face to face in front of one of these government agents who's who's in the know, not a police officer necessarily, but a judge. Right? Um, ultimately, yeah, all roads lead to court. Ultimately You're dealing very case. much with criminals, Corey. I mean, that's all yeah, that can you, be said. You can't, if you, yeah, it, exactly. It's like if you're walking down the street, and here's a perfect example. If you're walking down the street and somebody just steps up to you, right, and is trying to, is getting in your face and is trying to take your shit or trying to do you harm or something, what do you got to do? You got to handle your business. <laughs> you got to handle your business. You either capitulate, you know, here's my wallet, and walk away. Which is that's one way of doing it. That's fine. Or if someone is particularly menacing, you're gonna have to scrap. You're gonna have to fight, and it's no different. It's no different than if you're being accosted by somebody on the street. It's totally reason. the same thing. It's all it the rest because right. And on top of that, goes out the window. On, right. And on top of that, they have some kind of uh, air of authority behind which uh, they can operate and immunity. Uh, behind which listen Corey it's only because they've got the guns bro and the organization exactly. and exactly. system it's and the all by force it's all by it's all it's, it's all, all ultimately by force and threat of violence uh and duress and death right that's how okay. the IRS so, operates that's how government operates here's the whole point of the show Corey because it, you just touched on it threats duress force of a gun and against your life the whole point of this show about mastering and the whole point of how to master the court is to become unfuckwithable, to know what you're doing, to know why you can do it, to know why they can't do what they're doing, and then to know what they're trying to do that they can't do and fucking call them on it. Um, so a lot of winning in court, you could file all the shit you want, you could say all the shit you want, a lot of it. And I, when I say a lot, I mean like 97% of winning in a courtroom as a pro se party or what they would deem a pro se party, in propria persona, however you want to fucking be there, by special appearance, by blah, blah, whatever. 
right? Whatever the case may be, your physical body being there must exhibit or display certain behaviors and certain traits for them to stand up and take notice of you. It is a psychological game, especially in negotiations with the prosecutor in pretrials and arraignments with the judge. It yeah. is very much a head up, chest out, speaking tall. If anybody, here's a little trick for people that, that they can use. I'll give it to you for free. If anybody tells you what to do in that courtroom and you decide that if you don't do it, it could cause a lot of problems, they'll fucking take you away before you can even say the stuff that you wanted to say to get on the record or something else will happen to you. If there's a way that you can comply with what they're asking for but make it sound like it's your offer and it's coming from you and your authority and you're voluntarily doing it, then you totally, again, pull the rug right out from under them. Jordan, what do you mean? I mean, sir, stand over here. I'm going to stand right there and point to where they were pointing to originally, and you've just taken their offer from them sliding it to you across the imaginary table because every command from a person is an offer. The command or the order is an offer for performance. They're offering, hey, will you please perform under the presumed authority that we're exhibiting and how you perform is up to you. So if I just walk over there and go sit down without saying anything, then boom, he's automatically got in personam jurisdiction. And we'll take a sidestep here. Um, everything is presumption here in the court. So the jurisdictional nexus goes in this order typically. Territorial or, ge territorial or geographical. The, all courts everywhere set up just automatically assume that if you are in the area where the officer sees you and makes contact with you, they've automatically got jurisdiction to try personam and subject matter jurisdiction. Persona means... Are you a person who is subject to their laws and are and or are you a person who offended or committed a violation of one of those laws in while you were in their geographical territorial jurisdiction, which, by the way, they just presumed right off the bat. And if that's the case, then do they have subject matter jurisdiction over the facts of the case? Uh, give, is, does, does the facts of the case give rise to an actual violation or an offense? And again, nine times out of ten, there's no victim. So, of course, there's no corpus delecti, like all the guys like to say, but that applies to civil matters. And therefore, they have no authority in the first place. So they are doubly without authority because they didn't have the authority to get you on geographical or territorial jurisdiction because they never allege any facts whatsoever. The officer just says, I noticed this car pulling in front of me on the side road of this, moving northbound. I initiated a contact or stop because I felt that he was doing this. It doesn't say anything about, oh, this guy, you know, it, it, this guy has a driver's license already. I know who he is. He's voluntarily become a U.S. citizen. Because he's a U.S. citizen, he's under the authority, presumed authority of us, and because and he has to follow these rules and follow these driving codes and yada, yada, yada. That might be true in the background, but because they never tell you about it, it removes all their authority to apply it and, until you consent and agree to go along with the game. So the jurisdiction is never there, right? They operate on presumption, and the authority to exist from them is invalidated the minute, the fucking minute that they start prosecuting somebody or infringing on their legal rights without a victim, okay? So then if somebody comes in and goes, hey, I know about the territorial jurisdiction. Hey, I know about the straw man. Hey, I know that I'm not a U.S. citizen. Hey, I know that I've made all these status declarations, and here's my evidence and my proof and my blah, 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 blah. They will fucking use every single dirty psychological trick in the book and not written down that they could possibly do to get you. Uh, and what I mean by that is I've had a fucking judge turn. I, he didn't think I was looking. I was talking to the, to the prosecutor, right? 
and I had given my paperwork to the bailiff, and I see the judge reading the paperwork, and I notice out of the corner of my eye while I'm talking to the prosecutor, the judge takes my entire stack, stacks it real neatly, and then flips it over upside down. So that I told the prosecutor, hey, let's just go bring this to the judge because I don't believe you. I don't believe you have a case. I'm not inclined to believe what you're saying. Uh, you have no premise for the charges. There's no evidence or facts that show a jurisdictional nexus, blah, 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 blah. I challenge your jurisdiction, all the shit that I do in a typical traffic ticket or whatever. And I go to the judge, and as soon as I'm like, uh, you, you know, I would like a judicial review or for you to take judicial notice of such and such and such and such, and he goes – we're not here to hear that today, or we're not here to, to go over that today, or however they say it. And I countered him. I said, excuse me, am I not entitled to a fair and you know, due process in a fair uh, and informed hearing and to know, be able to be informed about the nature and the cause and yada, 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 and to have a ruling done on my, uh, my pleadings? And I was taking the legal aspect. I wasn't doing lawful stuff. And he goes and looks down at the paperwork, looks up at me and smiles and says, I can't hear your paperwork, or I can't hear your motions today, or I can't hear your whatever. And uh -huh. I was like, the fuck do you mean you can't hear them? They're right there. I said, they're right there. And he goes, I can't hear them. And so I uh -huh. noticed after that, I was like, okay, what is the only thing that was different than what I've done before? The judge turned the paperwork over. Uh -huh. It's all presumption. He's looking down uh -huh. at the blank side of the back of your stack of documents, uh -huh. and he's truthfully telling you, I can't see these. I can't hear these. I can't do anything. So I started Mark, writing up back, see reverse, initial and date, right? Right on right. all my shit, on all your and it never happened to me ever again. Right. So there are, Corey. There's just so many things that people think they're going to go in, they're going to win because they've got this process, or they know this thing, or they know that, and they don't go in ready to deal with criminals. And that is how you win: to go in knowing, number one, I have the authority to do what I'm doing. Number two, they either do or don't have the authority to do what they're doing, which is nine times out of ten they don't. I go so far as to say 10 times out of 10. And then number three, what am I going to do in response to compel them to stop? And then what do I expect them to do after that? And then afterwards, you have to be committed to the result. Even if I go to jail, even if they beat me to a bloody pulp in open court, even if they fucking take me away and throw me in a gas chamber, I will not yield. I won't do it. The last threat they have to get somebody who is doing it right, the last threat they have is contempt in jail. And if you respond properly, they will still drag you off to jail, but you'll be out in less than six hours, typically on average. I've done it. My buddies have done it. And, and you know, I've got a friend, I think we've had him on the show a couple of times, who mentioned the fact that people, these cops were telling him in a traffic encounter, there was no way this ends up without you going to jail. And then he stuck by his guns and voila, all the 14 officers that were behind him have to fucking go on their way and he's let go free on his own accord, right? Mm -hmm. So it really is a matter, the winning part of court is not about paperwork, it's about personal conviction. Mm -hmm. And I know you guys were expecting some fucking magical process or papers or anything. You're not going to get that shit from me. I will tell you how, what paperwork you need to file and what order uh, to start your journey. Uh, let's say, let's just take a quick detour here, Corey. You mm -hmm. want to double authenticate your birth certificate. You want to have some sort of declaration of status reclaiming all of the things that were created off your trade name, your upper lowercase name that was given to you by your parents. You want to uh, copyright that through a, a, a DBA, and you need to do this properly if you research there is a proper way to do it. You need to set up an entity that's foreign 
to the United States and is recognized by the IRS with a number. Yes, you got to get a number, just like another social, except it's a 9-8 number, and a lot of shit's been said about the 9-8, but it is absolutely crucial if you're not going to find out how to set up some international law, private trust, and then try to stand on two legs defending a trust that no court is familiar with that has no identifying number, well, more power fucking to you, but you're doing it the hard way. So again, getting the recognition from Rome in the proper way to get that 9-8 number, and then throw the straw man, throw the estate, throw everything under that 9-8 as owned by that trust, pull it out of the public, and then go sue as the owner, the 9-8, the foreign owner, go sue your straw man, go sue the name itself in one of their probate courts during an in-rim action. You just make a petition, right? And I know this sounds simple and there's a lot more involved than just, oh, make a petition. Oh, you got to have certain elements. It has to be stated the proper way. It has to have the right formatting. But you know what? That's your own journey you're going to have to go through to be competent enough to accomplish this, okay? So what are you really dealing with? You're dealing with criminals who don't follow their own rules until you actually hold them accountable criminally. I know that sounds silly, but you just got to cut all the civil bullshit, cut all the filings, cut all the crap, and look at the situation and go, is there a way I can use their own laws against them and laws that will actually stick? Because, you know, there's been hundreds of thousands of prosecutorial misconduct reports in Texas, and maybe only one of those in the past 10 years has ever had any fucking thing done about it. Similarly, when people go to the FBI about state public official uh, issues, one out of those 100 cases will get investigated. But you must right. That's why, right, that's why conviction rates are like 98%. They let a couple slip through. Go ahead, Corey. What's your response there? Yeah, it's, it's, like, uh, it's like the conviction rates, right, for people who are brought up on charges, right? They're inordinately high, right? Like ninety-eight percent. If you most, you know, ninety-eight percent of people who are brought up on some kind of charge get prosecuted, and they'll, you know, one or two they'll let go to give the veneer of of justice. There you go, right? the that, lip service thing that, again. <laughs> right, that you actually have a chance, but uh, it no, is not the primary duty of the prosecutor to convict. But to see that justice is upheld and done. Yeah. It's a business, man. Follow the money. That old that old uh, rule of thumb. You know. Follow follow the money. It's a business. There is no justice system, really. Unless unless you unless you know how the system is set up and unless you know who you are and unless you know how you're operating and unless you're willing to take it uh, further than they are. You know, Corey, a lot of the um, a lot of the people are like, "Oh, just go on Dun and Bradstreet and look up your birth certificate number, and you'll see everybody that's trading your birth certificate." And that was just total oh, random. Yeah, I've, I've heard that up. shit ten years ago. I still haven't it's, been able to. Do and it. they're still doing it now. But if you go and look up the court on Dun and Bradstreet, you're going to find a fucking EIN number registered with the IRS. And what does that EIN number say? Four profit corporation right hands down the court is designed to make money and support the national debt interest payments to keep the country solvent or semi-solvent uh out of the continuing reorganizational chapter 11 bankruptcy that we've been doing over and over and over it's really designed to keep the money flowing to the creditors that's the truth of it uh and you know that's we could get into illuminati and banking families but we won't we've done that 
So much like the words, the world, most of the world is dependent on the U.S. petrodollar and the SWIFT payment systems. Um, the the lifeblood of this scam or this scheme or all these interconnected schemes is the court systems themselves and the revenues that they're generating. And whether that's up front, which is quite substantial with their costs, their fees and their fines for violations, or whether they do it in the background with the GSA bonds, the financial trickery they're using, or the outright usufruct of your estates, your national Mm -hmm. estates, they're making their fucking money, man. And off of every case, off of every case, including victimless crimes, it's all presumption. They don't even follow their own rules, okay? It's all court behavior is really a contract. It's a play-by-play, verbal exchange or written exchange. And you guys need to understand that it's all fluid and dynamic. And you must be ready to play this by ear, to stand in front and demand accountability from these assholes. And there's not really any rules unless they want them to apply or you force them and back them into such a criminal corner that there's no way they could do it without either A, alerting the public to their scheme, which Mm. you should never do either because they'll come after you, or B, there's no way they can escape liability with immunities and you can use their own lip service against them. So like if if you want to do public uh, records requests on the parties involved in your issue – that can really yield a lot of great information that can then result in some possible criminal charges against these fucking people, right? So that thing I read earlier, Corey, in the show uh, off of the Texas Public Information Act, what it was supposedly constructed for, very much so allows attorneys to sue municipalities. The first thing that a civil rights attorney will do or any good attorney will do in a case involving a public official or a city is to go make an open government request to the city about their policies and procedures governing the nature of the interaction that's contested, and they'll go to the police and get the body cams and the yada, 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 right? So it is possible to use legal means to accomplish your lawful purposes. I want a lot of people to get that ingrained in their mind that you need to be crafting and piecing together and building these solutions instead of going, oh, well, you know, I can't do that because that would be traversing into their legal jurisdiction, and I don't want to play the name. Well, fuck that. Or I... um, Oh my gosh, what should I do? How do I get, how do I secure my right to travel? I need to uh, return the driver's license and nullify the contract. It's like, well, the presumption is so great against you ever being able to do that because they're always going to assume and presume that you're a driver. Why don't you just fucking take it back, send it to a foreign entity that owns it, show in the public record that you own it, get some sort of declaration from the public, like a petition, like I mentioned earlier, that you own all of the related shit tied to the straw man. And then bada bing, bada boom, you're just like any of the fucking elites and the rich people in the country who do these types of things. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll say this, Corey. This is, this is really my, my condensed version. A lot of the problems in the world are caused by attorneys. Caused by attorneys making, and judges making up the law to suit their own revenue-generating purposes – and I'll tell you this, almost 70% of the world's attorneys originate or are U.S.-based in some way. And almost every single person in any type of really important position of power is an attorney, a former attorney, and or the people who they have to get the, to finally draft their policies and procedures. The, the final approval comes from attorneys. So they Correct. really are the fucking gatekeepers, bro. And listeners, they are your gatekeepers. You need to overcome their ability to keep you inside okay now this is where it gets interesting because anna von Reitz, one of the few people that i follow for information uh she states very clearly and shows in the field manuals 
that the Bar Association is, at least in the United States, is overseen directly by the military through the Department of Defense, uh, separate departments. And <clears throat> there's a military occupation under the Lieber Codes and things like that that have been in effect since the emergency war powers and before, even back to the Civil War, which was never an actual declared war. And mm -hmm. it never ended. It never started and, then, and never ended, which is weird, right? But that's right. What and, and later, and later, stop trading with the Enemies Act. And uh, right, we're in a state of emergency. That's why presidents can write executive orders. That's the what, reason why. Go ahead. Go that's the yeah. That's the only that's to my to my knowledge. I might be mistaken, but the only reason why that presidents can enact executive orders is under a state of emergency. Well. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty interesting that most of the executive orders have been very bad things. And then say what you will about Trump, love him or hate him. Uh, and again, the uh, he trolls a lot, so I wouldn't take the U.S. gun constitution, Second Amendment comments, due process things quite seriously uh, mm. that everybody's up in a uproar about right now. But he trolls people a lot, but he's used a couple executive orders against human trafficking and some other things. So he himself has no idea, I'm sure, of most of the stuff that we're talking about, just like most of the uh, ground-level people don't get the fact that there's a do-not-detain list that you can put yourself on, that there is a national status that's separate and apart from the U.S. Uh, citizen. But he is still, even not knowing that, he's using the system against itself by using the executive order for right. a good, what, what could be deemed a good purpose. Right, to your and that's point. that's what I'm saying to do to right. all the listeners. All the right. listeners need to do this, and they're personal interactions with the public. It's a good example. It's a great example. So, Corey, um, I mean, there's just so much about the court that I'm, I know I'm moving a little fast, and I am talking the most here in the show. I appreciate your consideration and letting me do that. Uh, it's just a lot of information I really want to get out, and uh, maybe we should structure it into multiple shows. But to win, just recap, to win, you must be psychologically prepared and I mean little tips and tricks like always repeating the commands they give you and making it your own. Sir, sit over there. I'm going to sit right there until you're ready to tell me the facts and evidence of this case or until you're ready to answer my challenge to jurisdiction or whatever it is. I'm going to sit right there until you answer jurisdiction. Sir, be quiet. I'm going to be quiet until you quit trying to rush me to judgment and I'm allowed to have a fair and impartial hearing. You're psychologically tripping him out because he's like, oh, shit, I'm stepping on this guy's toes. He knows it and he's responding in a way that could really damage my, my, the public's opinion of me who's sitting in the galley or uh, later on because of the transcript that's being taken. Uh, another tip or trick, a lot of people like to get to the meat of things, and I like to give background first so you understand it. So in the description of the show, I might actually say, hey, guys, if you just want the tips and tricks and that's all you're about, just skip to the fucking last extra hour, the magical extra hour. Here we go. Here we go. Anytime somebody sends you something you don't agree with, you have the right, no matter what it is, you have the right to strike through the words with a line, strike through the words that you don't like or the entirety of the paper that you don't like, put your own terms on it, and return it back to them for a response. That's called a cross-out. I've said how to do that multiple times in past shows. Uh, anytime somebody is really coming against you and you, you have what is a perceived disadvantage as far as like... Um, power is concerned, right? If the if IRS is coming after you, keep good records, right? And go and look and find vagueness in their charges. And just like a traffic ticket, a judge once told me, 
if you can just find a word that's too vague or too general in the entire complaint or in the statute that they're charging you uh, in that complaint with, if you can find one of those words and challenge the constitutionality of the, of the apl application of that word as it's being applied to you, you'll win almost nine times out of ten. Maybe eight or eight out of ten is more realistic. So that's another way. Um, always, 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 like I said, making your own orders. So if the guy's like, sit over here, I'm going to sit right there. Be quiet. I'm going to be quiet until, you know, and that's sort of like the old conditional acceptance. If then type things, right? If you will blah, 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 then I will blah, blah, blah. You understand? Uh, but you're shortening it down to a usable in the moment. Oh, shit, the guy's trying to command me with an order. He's trying to get in personam jurisdiction over me. What do I do? Do I sit here and bumble about the free man, straw man? I'm not the name. I'm this person spelled upper lo lowercase. You know, you go into all that shit. Yeah. Or do you just know that you need to get into the proceeding a little bit before you drop your main bombs on, you know, everything that they're doing? So. In order for you to get to the proceeding, you might have to follow a few instructions, but as long as the appearance is that you're following your own instructions, they still don't have personam jurisdiction over you. Okay? So then there's another trick, which is something very much psychological, crafting, crafting little thought experiments and, and trying to provoke expected behaviors. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean if you know you have to go in to see the prosecutor for a pretrial, if you're taking it, if you're approaching your problem that way in a legal fashion and you're actually going to participate, then you have to know how did the prosecutor fuck up? Why doesn't he have a case? What loophole do you have? What rule did he miss? What evidence that's exculpatory that he uh, failed to present, which almost always kills their case, almost all the time, except for one that I'm dealing with right now, um, at which we have huge criminal charges pending against those people now because they fucked up, but that's another story. Uh, and then once you know what your position is and how you're going to do that, then you think of the most psychological way that you can do it. In, in one of my recent cases, uh, Daryl Sprout, he's got some more issues that we're going to have him back on the show to talk about. Daryl Sprout's dealing with something where the prosecutor is charging him some bullshit craft violation. Here we go with this. Um, Corey, can you try muting out again, please? It's a huge static interference. Okay. Anyways, uh, Mr. Sprout is dealing with uh, the prosecution. Daryl Sprout's with us. Sorry, I'm getting a, a break in from the producer there. He's dealing yeah, Darryl, with... Daryl's on the line, actually. Okay. I, yeah, they just told me that as well. Let me reiterate what I was saying, and hopefully this noise will go away, listeners. I apologize so much for that. I don't. It's not my... Not my mic, I promise. Okay, so the prosecutor is trying to charge him with something that he knows he has no jurisdiction, number one, and no subject matter, number two, uh, or n there actually was no offense committed, right, because the elements of his offense were missing. They couldn't be proven. The facts are not there. And what we were doing, and this got fucked up because of some act of God conditions and things like that, and a natural disaster pretty much happened and kept us from doing appearing where we wanted to appear. But what we were planning on doing is we, we had a legal brief to file, and that legal brief was supporting, I think it was like our third motion to dismiss or quash the complaint for lack of jurisdiction, and the complaint was insufficient. We were going to file that motion, file the legal brief, and put a sticky note on the part of the legal brief that quoted all the cases. I 
Sorry, guys. I, I don't know if you guys hear this, but this fucking mic noise is driving me crazy. Okay. Uh, we quoted all the cases. We're going to put a sticky note, a yellow sticky note that had a smiley face that says, this is why you lose with an arrow pointing in towards the paperwork. So when, when they disregard your stack of papers like they always do, this time the prosecutor would probably actually look and go, oh, what is this? Oh, what does this asshole think I lost for? And then go and look at all the court cases in the higher courts that are saying that he had no right to do it. The traffic stop was illegal in the first place. Everything that flowed from the stop was illegal. And there was no element uh, proven of the offense, so no offense was committed, right? That's our, those are our premises for what we would term the defense or as the alleged defendant, right? But we never got the chance to do that and go meet the prosecutor face-to-face. But we were ready. We were wargaming, if you will, or planning on how to psychologically trip him out. And so I was telling Daryl, I was telling him, look, when you take the copy, the prosecutor's copy, that you just you filed all your documents when you get to the pretrial hearing, you go to the clerk first, file that shit. Take the stamped copy that's for the prosecutor. I want you to put that sticky note on there, and then I want you – to go sit down at the prosecutor's table, let him run his fucking mouth about how, you know, well, sir, these are some serious infractions and, you know, we need to set this for a trial and all the bullshit that they, the same fucking dialogue they say all the time, the intimidation, the bullshit without facts. And then once he's done running his, yapping his fucking mouth, you just look at him. You're maintaining good body posture the whole time. You look at him in his face and say, look, we both know you have no case. We both know this is just a giant racket. You guys don't play by any of your own rules until somebody forces you to. And then I was going to have Daryl maintain eye contact and slap that stack of paper on the table and slide it over to the prosecutor while still looking at him and then lean back and cross your arms, right? And then anything the prosecutor has to say from then on, you're just like, listen, I told you I don't believe you. That's why you lose. There's no way that you can escape this. There's no way. You lost, Dismiss your case, and if you don't, there's going to be some liability coming your way. And then you get off your ass, you turn on your heel, and you walk the fuck out. Okay? So that is the psychological aspect of it. You guys need to be, or should be, I won't say should, nobody likes to be shit on. It is very important for somebody who wants to actually increase their odds of winning to apply psychological means and methods to the paperwork that they're using to reinforce the grounds or the authority for whatever process or paperwork that you're using, okay? Persuasion. There you go. you got to convince the other person why they're wrong or convince them that even if they don't, even if they continue being wrong, that there's going to be some liability without their protections, right? So um, we have a little bit longer. Typically the show goes from five to six or a little bit longer than that. The producers are kind enough to let us have a little extra time when there's no shows behind. So let's, I think Daryl's been waiting on the line very patiently. Thank you for that, Daryl. Let's bring you on, brother. We don't have a lot of time. I've been talking a lot, so I want to get you and Daryl to maybe, or excuse me, you and Corey to maybe go back and forth a little bit about what you want to chat about. And I'll just pip in here and there and keep an eye on the time, and hopefully the listeners have learned something so far about what you're really dealing with, the totality of the monstrosity that you're up against, okay? So, uh, Daryl, come on in, brother. Thanks for your patience. Hear me? Can you hear me? I can. Yeah, we can hear you, Daryl. Okay. So, yeah, you you covered it, frankly. Um, I I couldn't have uh, been any more articulate about what I just went through than that at all. Um, it's um, 
And there was that one point that really cemented it for me when I realized the the prosecuting attorney was lying his ass off to me directly. Um, and of course, I'm on the road. I, I can't record the call very well uh, that way. Um, looking back, I you know I shouldn't even answer a phone that can't be recorded. Um, but at any rate, the the fact was he tried to deny that several of my Brady discovery um, demands must be met. He literally said, "At your peril." So, Daryl, can I can I can I jump and give some backstory real quick? Just real quick. Uh, Daryl and a friend were traveling northbound on 75 uh, north of Dallas going you guys were on your way to go on August 20th 2017 you're going to view the lunar eclipse um, so you were at four o'clock in the morning go ahead solar eclipse solar eclipse yes thank you for that <laughs> so you were on your way it's four o'clock in the morning you guys had to pee and you're driving down the highway and you see a well-lit gas station on the east side of the highway and the west side coming up there's two of them Correct. so you exit you go into the first one just to find out it's closed you make your turns around and you go under the bridge to the west side and you go in there just to find that shit's closed and you notice there's a police officer sitting with his brights on pointed towards the way that you have to go back so you Correct. come back around you go under the bridge again to go to try to go back northbound and get on the highway, and while you're trying to take that turn, the cop's car is pointed in such an exact way to blind you, essentially, with his brights, mind you, or very, very bright headlights, uh, impeding your vision. Despite that, you still made a proper turn without swerving outside the lane, and it was safe to do so because there was nobody around. Now, he pulls you over under the premise of a transportation code that's used in Texas— all the fucking time by police to shotgun people. They just pull people yep. over willy-nilly when they don't even have any fucking cause to do so. And they use 545060 of the transportation code, which the courts in Texas have held, maintains, and creates only one offense. And the offense that it creates is, and again, this is a victimless crime, the offense it creates is failure to maintain a single lane while it's unsafe to do so, or when it's unsafe to do so. So at 4 o'clock in the morning, taking a turn that you didn't do unsafely, you didn't get close to any signs, any ditches, any buildings, any people, any cars, any anything that could even potentially ever be considered unsafe. And yet he pulls you over under the premise of you making, failing to make a, or maintain a single lane when it was unsafe to do so. So all of the shit that flowed from that, he, they searched your car. They made you stand with a full bladder basically for an hour and a half on the side of the road. You're disabled. You have your cane. Uh, you know, disintegrated hip. It's kind of fucked up. And they did all the search, charged your passenger with some fucking stupid little tiny citations, hit you with that traffic code violation. And then we immediately came back and said, first of all, guys, where's your territorial jurisdiction? That was our first response in our motions. You guys don't have territorial geographical uh, jurisdiction. We did the Mark Stevens version, right? And then you go to arraignment. You say most of the stuff I'm asking you to say uh, based on my personal experience. The judge treats you very much differently, uh, and the cops treated you very much differently because you're on the do not detain list, but they're still testing you, aren't they? Oh, yeah, and, big time. Yeah, exactly. So then we get to arraignment after filing our first documents. Part of those documents were Brady disclosures. Brady is a big case where the court set forth an actual requirement or a few tests for what the prosecutor must do when it has evidence that would show that you're innocent or shows 
the likelihood or any detail of your innocence. It's called exculpatory evidence, and Brady disclosures govern different types of exculpatory evidence. And we timely requested it. We're following the legal process. Again, we're not doing a legal or a lawful type of outside their jurisdiction type thing. We're maintaining a special appearance. We're maintaining, uh, and a lot has been said about that bullshit. Oh, it doesn't apply or it does apply. Or you're still the straw man. Or you're still the that. We're just doing what we need to do to hold them accountable to their own laws while still maintaining the fact that we're not subject to their laws. <laughs> and I know that sounds counterintuitive. Uh, Counterintuitive, but it's really it's you're able to do it, and it's really the best. A hybrid approach is really the best approach in my experience, and so that's what we did. We got to arraignment. The judge said, "At your peril," which is what you were just describing, Daryl. Thank you, by the way, for allowing me to cut in with this backstory. The prosecutor said, or the judge said to the prosecutor, "You will produce these six odd something disclosures that he's requesting, that Mr. Sprout's requesting, at your peril." So then uh, a month or so goes by, uh, and we still don't have any disclosures or anything. The prosecutor indicated even during that time that he didn't have to or believed he wasn't required to do any of that shit. And then all of a sudden your pretrial gets scheduled. Uh, we respond with a motion to suppress evidence because of all the other legal uh, ramifications that the prosecutor failed in his burden. We respond with a third motion to dismiss. We have a legal brief that literally states all the reasons why everything was illegal and should have been thrown out from the beginning. And uh, all of that was ready to go and be filed when you showed up to the pretrial so that then you could take your filed copy and do the psychological thing that I described to the listeners before when you were sitting with the actual prosecutor to try and convince him to change his mind. Now, that didn't happen because they called you the day of pretrial, and they said, hey, there's a huge wreck here uh, in the town south of us. What they didn't tell you is it was one of the worst accidents in North Texas history, and all the fucking highways and arteries in all directions was fucking jammed up. You were in the middle of the road in traffic for six and a half hours. You missed your court date, but while before you missed it, you called, expressed your concerns to the clerk. The clerk basically told you there's nothing I can do. I'm not going to stay past five. The prosecutor calls you back from an unknown number, which is what you were describing, why you shouldn't have answered that fucking number. I but should it was not good. have answered that. <laughs> I think you should have, considering what we're doing now. Actually, you're right. I should have. Yeah. Uh, if <laughs> I heard I'm that, I mean, because it really, it made me completely cement who this guy really was. And yeah. you found out more about him after this. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so basically, the prosecutor calls him, stop and says, stop harassing or stressing out my court clerk. Um, and you're telling him, well, dude, I've got documents to file. I, I need to drop these off at your, your window somehow, or your, I need to post and affix these to the municipal court door. I need to do something with this, right? I've got these documents because you guys have a pretrial set for February 22nd that I just missed. I was intending to come in and, sh and blow you away, essentially, with why you don't have a case, but I still got to file those docs. Um, because you guys say that there's a trial already set for the 27th, five fucking days later. They're, they're trying to ramrod you. Trial, no. A jury trial in, in five days when you have no, ex no evidence. And if you were to appear generally at that trial, you would waive all of your challenges to jurisdiction. You would waive and invalidate every single thing that we've done before. Similar to what I described when, the, when you do paperwork, guys, listeners, when you do paperwork in a process and you get to the court and the judge says, sir, yes, pl yes, please step forward or, oh, we'll hear that later. Please sit over here. And it sounds nice enough 
It sounds benign enough, but he fucking invalidated everything. The minute that you comply with his request, he's now got in personam jurisdiction to, to try and hear the subject matter jurisdiction that they'll always rule in favor of the prosecution every time. So this was very much a similar thing, Daryl. If you didn't file these documents and if you would just have sh agreed to show up at trial, you would have fucked yourself completely. And the prosecutor knew that. So this is what he did in that phone call. He said, Mr. Sprout, there's nothing that you can do. Nobody's going to be here to file your documents. Nobody's going to stay afterwards. There's nothing you can do, uh, not word for word, but he said, there's nothing you can do but come down here and sign an agreement that you're going to appear at the trial. That's it. That's exactly so, right. And, and as like a courtesy, we'll let you show up a little bit early to watch the video, which is the only so, thing he said he had. So <laughs> that's how we're caught up, almost, and I'll let you pick it up from here and explain what you're experiencing. So I, I, I literally, the, the, from there, and, and it, it, was, it was a 5 o'clock trial, right? I, I make it to... Um, that general area at like 8 or 8.30 or something, it's really late. Um, I, I spend quite a bit of time after that just acquiring um, uh, a bit of writing material um, uh, and some and some paper clips because you said really what I had to do was to file an emergency motion for continuance and, um, you know, sort of figure out some way to leave it with them to where they would be, it would be incumbent on them to perform so you know, I, I know i said i'd stay out of this but i always contradict myself i just want our listeners to have a, a clear backstory so daryl what happened is the prosecutor basically tried to coerce you into into still driving while you're stuck in traffic into still showing up past 5 p.m which is when your exactly. trial pre-trial date was so for the purposes for the sole purposes of you showing up to the police station which is a, the same building as the municipal court and going up there and signing an agreement to appear at trial you called me and I said, oh, hell no, don't do that because this is what will happen. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. What do we do? Now, this is a situation where very, very many people get themselves into, not the particular facts or circumstances, but they get to a point in their process or the application or the process or responding to a response or replying to a response on the process. They go, well, well fuck, this puts me in a bind. How do, how do I create a solution? And if you're not able to think in critically in those terms of how do I – they're saying I have to do A or B. And if I do A, I fuck myself. If I do B, I fuck myself. How do there's I always, come up with C? There's always – you showed me that. There's always C. There's um, always C. But you – it's incumbent upon you to create it and to apply it in the moment. So what happened to you? You were left with the Hobson's choice of – okay, I've missed my pretrial where I wanted to file these documents, which would continue and indefinitely dismiss the case or continue the trial, right? That was set for the 27th. But yeah, now I'm in a position... All the way up there with those documents, there's no way I was leaving without giving them to them some way. I mean, exactly. We, we there's no way... about... Yeah, yeah. There's no Go way ahead. that you could have possibly... That you could have possibly <laughs> just <laughs> gone down there and sign that agreement because it would have invalidated everything, right? But there's also oh, yeah, no way... There, there was no way I was going to do that. I knew that even before... Uh, well, actually, I, I, yeah. Um, I okay. knew that I could I'm not do that. Just check this out. So there's also no way that you could possibly not file after what he just told you. So what are you stuck with? You're stuck with continuing six fucking hours in traffic. You stayed as a disabled man with a, with a dis disintegrated hip 
you stayed in traffic, which I commend you for, for six and a half hours almost. Then you got to your location, and now you had to find a way, okay, I'm stuck in a car on location three and a half hours away from my house almost at a place that's already closed that I should have been at at 5 p.m. to file my documents. How do I just drop my fucking documents off now, or or how do I get these in for filing for the next day in a way that I don't have to perform in the way that he wants me to by signing the agreement. So what did you do? We stayed on the phone for two hours verbally. You went into a fucking gas station, which is right near where you got pulled over. You went into a gas station. You said, hey, can I have some paper from your printer and a pen? This is the lengths, people, that you have to go to to win your cases. And Daryl sat there dutifully with, you know, failing eyesight like myself. I've got pretty bad eyesight. You sat there in the dark with a light, a tiny overhead cabin light on, handwriting the, the rough draft of what he was going to write. And then he wrote, yeah, then he wrote the actual emergency notice of filing. Here's my objections. The prosecutor says I must appear at trial. I object to that. I'm preserving all my pretrial jurisdictional challenges. I wasn't able to make it because of an act of God or whatever. Um, it wasn't my fault. And here's I'm giving you an emergency notice of filing. This file on demand. We're de- hand delivering this. This was all of these certificates of service are now changed instead of saying that they were delivered during the trial. They now are pretrial. They now say that I hand deliver them by shoving them in the fucking police station slot <laughs> exactly. at 12:52 the next day. So by the time that you actually got to the police station slash municipal court, there was nobody around. And you had to end up shoving your 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 printed documents for filing along with a handwritten emergency notice to cover your ass to maintain all the work that you did before. You had to premise what you were doing and give notice of what you were doing in such a way that they could not presume they couldn't presume anything on you. They couldn't say, "Oh, well, see, you know, you know, we didn't get the docs." Yeah, you did, you fucks. Or, oh, we don't have to file a docs. Yeah, you do, you fucking asshole, because you got a notice on demand of emergency filing, and we essentially did the same as posting and affixing. So I'm done. Go ahead and tell your story, the rest of it, how we got to where we are now. Corey, if you will, respond to that. And then we're going to close out the show, and we're definitely going to have to get into um, the actual mechanics of role-playing with the judges. We're just going to have to break down and role-play. I know that's what you people want to hear. I know that we've I talked a lot. Idea. So go ahead, Daryl. Yeah. Okay, so uh, since... And, and literally we're talking using the little thing with the uh, just enough space for the ink pens under the bulletproof glass. I managed to use the ink pens to wedge the documents under the thing and leave it on the other side. <laughs> and... <laughs> I'm not kidding. And and on the way south, they tried to bright light me into doing the same offense again. On the on the way south, I'm headed um, toward the um, entrance ramp on uh, on 75 to get back on the highway to go home. It's midnight or later. It's and um, there's bright lights, and they're sitting there at the yield sign. They don't have to wait. I've got, there's plenty of time to get past me before I get there. But they sit there and they sit there, and as I get actually up to it, I realize I can't see the friggin' lines. And I sort of look up and I judge around based on, on signs. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I managed to, to properly enter the highway, and only then could I see that it was one of their cops. 
So that was another attempt. These people are fishing, and they're using that white line as a hook. Um, so at any rate, which really hit home. So the next day, I get a, um, a, a, a voicemail from her, and I call her back, and, uh, and she says, well, you weren't Who supposed her? to, uh, to leave it. Who's her? Right? Daryl, if you'll tell me who, who her is when you say her. The listeners don't know what you mean by her. Oh, yes, she. Uh, yeah, that's the uh, the court clerk. She and I had a, a pretty good rapport, excuse me. Um, and um, so at any rate, uh, I said, well, uh, and she said, well, you, you weren't supposed to bring any documents, and uh, I need your promise that you will come to the court. And I said, if I didn't come sign it, why would I? <laughs> I said, there is no way I am going to waive my pretrial rights. Um, and you were the one that found out the following day that the the trial had been, um, or the following morning the trial had been canceled, which I'm sure they don't know that I know. Um, so that is um, that is powerful, Daryl. I want to, if you will, please allow me. I I just got to cancel out my previous statement where I said I was just going to pip in here and there. Obviously, I'm, I'm oh, having no, to get anything you want to do this time. Yeah, I apologize. I just, I want them to know, because this is how powerful you are, guys. Even in situations where you're being fucked with and you almost have no way out, because he stopped and freaked them out, they were expecting him to either A, not show up, or like I said, the Hobson's choice, which is a shitty choice between one and another. It's a hard, uh, rock and a hard place. Uh, he was either going to A, not show up, and then they'll have presumption or excuse to say he was at fault for something, even if they didn't put out a warrant. And then B, he had the choice of showing up and waiving his entire defense, legal defense, and then showing up at a trial and getting butt-fucked uh, with no legal defense and no leg to stand on and no evidence to, for, in his favor. And the prosecutor would just run right all over him and convince the dumb jury, uh, you know, like they always do with their flowery words, that you know, justice needs to be served. And the only way they can do it is by voting guilty. Very easy, the way that the judge has control of the jury and the prosecutor works with them. So that was your choice, and when you chose or you made choice number three and threw it in their face and was like, no, fuck you, I'm not going to do what you're coercing me to do, and oh, by the way, file this on demand, asshole, continue the trial and there's no case. And so they're calling you the next day saying, which was Friday, and the last day you were going to hear anything until basically the, next, the trial, they were saying, well, you know, sir, you're going to have to appear at the trial and it's still scheduled and blah, 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 and you said you're not going to waive your pretrial rights and you called them back. And you basically read off a legal notice that they were harming you and shit like that. And then magically, all of a sudden, even though they had already prepped an entire jury pool, they had sent jury notices, summons of jury duty to their entire city. Even though they had done that three days before, or excuse me, five days before, now all of a sudden, three days before, two days before the trial, they sent out a public notice on their tiny little municipal website they actually put it on their website that your trial was canceled and they canceled the entire jury pool because you decided to file a simple, shitty looking handwritten notice, uh, get squeezing your documents in at the last second. And that should let people know what the true power is and where it comes from. At any given moment, you always have the power, no matter if you're being sprayed like me, being sprayed with cold water, stripped naked in the middle of a jail cell. And they're saying, ask you the only way that, you know, this ends is with your death. You know, we have complete control over you. We are your God. Tell me all these fucking crazy things trying to break me down, and I wouldn't break down. And then I was let let go with no charges, right? So in a similar fashion, they're telling you, oh, the jury trials, you better show up. We need you to show up, blah, 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 blah. 
And then because you didn't acquiesce to their coercion, which was a criminal crime, by the way, an actual commission of a crime, then all of a sudden now they've inconvenienced their entire citizens of their entire city by canceling the fucking trial for one person. That is your power. Although failing to, and they don't even call it failing to maintain a lane, they called it, they literally called it on my, on my ticket, they called it disregarding a traffic control device. A white line? Come on, get out of here. A white line, a device. Mm. All right, uh, we're running up against the back wall, and I know I hijacked a little bit of that story, but I wanted the listeners to have a very, very, very clear view of the facts, the underlying facts, what we did, why we did it, and what the response was. So that being said, just tell us how you felt, maybe what you're looking forward to, Daryl. Uh, anything else that you want to wrap up with, we'll get Corey's statement real quick, and then we'll close the show, okay? Well, I, I feel like um, I, I've discovered a really sinister sort of means of fishing for revenue that happens along Texas highways. And uh, I think there's highway pirates with badges out there, and I think it's a very corrupt thing. And uh, if somebody has to stand up and say, I'm not putting up with this, I'm your huckleberry. So that's all I have to say about that. Well... I'm proud of you for doing that, and I think you're going to see some good results with the next steps that we're taking. We're going to keep those private, if you don't mind, uh, just so we don't <clears throat> show our cards too early. <laughs> um, and Corey, then, let's jump over to you, man. What do you think about all this craziness that Daryl's got himself into again? He's on the do not detain list, by the way, and they were treating him very, very differently. It could have gone a lot worse for him, but they're treating him much differently than his co-defendant. What do you think about all that? Right. Well, that's my point earlier that uh, regardless of what inroads uh, one makes in terms of uh, securing a, a status, um, it's not automatic. Right? They're going to test you no matter what. And actually, there I would have I would be inclined to say that right if you have established some level of. Uh, modifying your status, you make the do not detain list, they're going to test you even harder. Right? Damn, damn Skippy. They will go because, after your ass just because to see they know, know. Right, because they know that there's thousands of people who are getting someone up on these things who are just filing paperwork and who don't know what the fuck they're doing and who don't and who can't stand on their square. Um, I also want to I also want to make light of the Hobbesian trap uh, or the Hobbesian dilemma. Uh, the, the third way, uh, I think that's brilliant. I think what you guys did was brilliant. And uh, not only does that apply to legal situations, I think it applies to any situation, right? That's right. <clears throat> um, not everything is black and white. It might seem like you only have two options at any given time that both of them lead to shitty outcomes. There's always another way. There's always another way through, uh, for sure. And then to wrap up, uh, I want to read a quote, if I can. Of course. From, uh, if I can find it, from uh, Frederick Bastiat which I think is uh, applicable to uh, the conversation that we had today. And it goes, 
when plunder becomes a way of life for a group of men in society, over the course of time, they create for themselves a legal system that authorizes it and a moral code that glorifies it. And so, ostensibly, that's what we're dealing with. Absolutely. We're dealing with, we're dealing with, a, we're dealing with a system that is basically cover for, for fraud and criminal behavior in the guise of uh, justice. And so the more of us that can think critically, right, and uh, question things in a, in a rational kind of way, uh, as opposed to a reactionary way, um, I think that's the path through a lot of uh, the illusion and the problems that uh, come with it that we're faced with in this society today. Well, uh, you're totally right, Corey, and I think you just sparked off something uh, that a very nice flow of, of information for the next show about uh, the court system, if you will. So I'm thinking that we're definitely going to need to, I'm sorry, we've got like less than 10 seconds here or so. We're definitely going to need to do another episode. We'll do some role-playing where you and I can get together. We'll uh, invite anybody who's had these problems to come in and role-play. And it's just going to take some going back and forth for people to really understand how to create their own solutions at all times in the moment. And until next time, we're going to say pierce the veil and the truth will reveal itself. And I want to give a big shout-out to Don and Doug from BBS Radio for all the excellent production, uh, production work and just an excellent platform all the